Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Magpie fans would have seen a lot of what they hoped for last night. Essendon fans might have turned up with a sense of dread and that was realised within 15 minutes. A shockingly lopsided Friday night and that does tell the tale of two teams headed in different directions. Essendon's season is over. Collingwood uh, tuning up for the qualifying final. This is crunch time for the Berwick Motor Group. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group and Azito, powering DIYs all day, every day at Bunnings. Jared Waitley, Luke Hodges with me. Hello, Hodgie. Morning, Jared. It was a, uh, I think everyone knew the result of last night, what was going to happen when you saw the ins and outs from an Essendon team that lost by 120-odd points the week before. And then they, they probably had eight or nine of their, their best 22 out. So there was no surprise at the score. But I guess if you're a Collingwood supporter or a Collingwood player or, or coach, you're sitting here going, we've, we've done what we needed to. We, we've finished on top of the ladder. We ticked the box. And we got through unscathed with uh, not many injuries. Elliot obviously got subbed, but I don't think that's a concern. And they'll be uh, having a relaxing beer today and just... Looking at the finals in a couple of weeks. Dermot Burton, welcome. Good morning. Yeah, the result we all thought we were going to get last night. But first of all, I'm I'm in a glowing mood Ooh. this morning. <laughs> and that is my faith in humanity has been restored. Numbnuts here left his wallet on the top of a petrol bowser. It got handed in. <laughs> and that stuff inside it that the governments don't like you using, cash, was all there. Cash. <laughs> There. Do you still so, carry cash? No one carries cash anymore. <laughs> well, I like to. I like, you're a little bit mysterious if you go to hand over cash. Where are you from? So, no, it was all there. Not that there was that much of it, but how good is it? How good a public to actually be so honest? I mean, people are doing it tough out there. I mean, it, I, admittedly, it was at Costco. If I leave that on the floor at Frankston, I'm probably <laughs> thinking people will laugh at me and say, you deserve your right whack, numbnuts. But no, I'm, I'm in a glowing mood. How good is Very that? That's good. a win. I'm tipping it was a Hawthorne supporter. If it had been an Essendon supporter, that would have been thrown in the bin, cash and credit cards yeah. taken. I'm tipping it might have something to do with the cameras that are above the petrol bells. <laughs> if you're a Collingwood fan, are you glowing today or are you just sitting the slight rider that they didn't face any competition last night? You are content that you're moving in the right direction. If they were the Collingwood of six weeks ago, we would have got four quarters of the first quarter. But they showed us that they're capable. The capabilities are there to run, gun and destroy a team in quick time. Thereafter, it turned into a dour struggle. Um, what was it, three goals to eight after quarter time. So, yeah, the better team was you pulled away after quarter time, but the first team of the first quarter of Collingwood monstered Essendon like they should have. Tom Morris rounds out our foursome today. Hello to you, Tom. G'day, Jared. Well done, Derm and Hodgie. I've, I've got to say, when the AFL fixtured this game 19 days ago, they would have desperately hoped that Essendon 
were playing this match to play finals. And then they lost against GWS, so that was out of reach. And really from the first quarter last night, it was game over. So there's a lot of implications for the Bombers, implications for Collingwood on the positive side when they're going to play in finals, and also Darcy Moore and Nick Dacos back. So they're well positioned now. Essendon's collapse is interesting. As they were fifth after round 17. Their supporters were being told to clear the decks for September. They were being forecast to finally break that finals drought. And some were even suggesting they could make a run at the top four. And the worst read of the year was that Essendon had this soft draw. Then they went to Geelong and they got annihilated. And really, it the rot set in. 77 points Geelong, 41 points the Bulldogs, two points against Sydney. That flattered to deceive because they were a mile back in that last quarter. They struggled to beat West Coast and North Melbourne, which did suggest where they were. Yeah. And then 126 points against the Giants and 70 points against Collingwood. There's... They backed out of the season badly. Yeah, they did. But I think if you sit back now and go, when they appointed Brad Scott and said, we're going to be sitting 10th after our last game, and there's obviously more games to come this round, they'll be sitting there going, we've had an okay season. We've had a pretty consistent season. There's no way they would have thought they would have been fighting for finals in Brad Scott's first year. They started the season really well, and, and fatigue hit them. And I'm not sure whether it's the the preseason, how hard they ran him into the ground over the preseason, but fatigue hit them late, injuries hit them late. But all in all, I think Scott will be sitting back going, even though the last six weeks was awful, he's got a lot to build on. He he, he spoke last night that he, he's got a clear focus on what he wants to set players. And that, that's never a great sign when a coach says he's he now can control their off-season, which means you'll come back fit. If you're not fit, you're in fat club effectively, what it used to be for hours. You've got to be doing more work. He wants to build a team that he can chop and change and not going to run out of legs the last six weeks. So... If I was an Essendon supporter, there's so many positive signs. Frustrating the last five or six weeks, but if they're looking optimistic towards the future, I think they'd have a smile on their face. The, the issue for him, though, to face is that for a protracted period of time at the start of the season, he saw evidence that they can mix it. For over, what was it, did you say 15 weeks? Though? 17. No, 15, 17. 17, rounds. 17 weeks is a pretty good snapshot. You've played... All the league, you've played everybody at least once, bar one or or two. So it's a really good snapshot that you are capable. And yes, fatigue hit them. We saw that game on a Friday night. It was against the Dogs, yep. I think. And they, you could just see them. And we called it the three halfway through the third quarter. They are flagging, and they were still in the game. But you could see they were going out the back door. From that moment on, they've had no zest about them in reality. But if you were a, a Don's person in the hierarchy, you have got evidence that you're capable. So to fall away as badly as they have is is pretty damning. Does that does that come down to the mental side of things? Because around Both, that around all that plays in as as a player, the, a twenty three game season is long. So you fatigue. Everyone fatigues. Whether you're on top of the ladder or down the bottom, you're going to fatigue. But as soon as that man between years tells you, I am starting to get tired. I am starting to get sore. And, Brad Scott come out and said around about round 17, 18 that we're looking fatigued, we're tired. The extra, he spoke about uh, the Adelaide round, uh, gather round, that that's an extra game of fatigue on for the players. If I'm a player and I'm feeling sore and my coach is giving me an out, all, all of a sudden you, you're starting to tell yourself, well, I don't have to do that. Well, I am a little bit. And people sitting there going, surely you don't think like that. Players do. What if, if you, you're if, a 150 game player though? But that's the thing. Is if, if your coach is saying, giving you an out saying, oh, we're fatigued, we're tired. Like that, if you look at Meriton, if you look at Paris, they, they still had impact last night. They still got plenty of the ball. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just trying to give you the opposite. But if you've, you've actually had eight seasons in the system, you would think 
that your coach is not talking about you. Oh, he said as a group. So yeah, as, soon, as, soon, as soon as he says, we, we, we look tired. But that's everything. If that's one person who doesn't make that contest, it feeds onto the next well, you person. Would so. I mean, if it was you, if, if your coach said that, you, you would emotionally think to yourself, well, that's not me. No, I'll still lead them. If your body's sore, you tell yourself all season, I'm fine, I'm fine. As soon as you get given an out, oh, hang on, maybe I am a little bit sore. Oh, we that, we that, actually that. discussed this last night as well and said, yeah, he gave them an yeah, out. So the we're is. on the same page. But I'm, ju- I'm trying to drill into the, the individual who is a gun, who has played but, but eight seasons and, and, and knows his craft. He doesn't allow himself to feel tired. But what I'm saying is they're – they don't have – it's not a gun midfield. It's, yes, they've got some really good players, but they don't have that team that have mentally strengthened that have pushed through into September. They've got to the 1st of September and gone, I'm on holidays, I'm going to Bali. They started looking at that five weeks ago as soon as they were given an out about, oh, I'm fatigued, I'm tired, I don't have to do that. We've only got five games left. That's how they played. So you reckon – I'm just, as I say, playing the devil's advocate. Do you think Merritt and Parrish, Laverde, do you reckon these blokes thought, I've got an out? I, that Tom Mitchell goal last night, when he outran, there was five Collingwood guys in the middle of the ground, in and around Essendon support, in and around Essendon players. The five Collingwood players had an impact in touching that ball. They outran, they outworked the Essendon midfield down for Tommy Mitchell to kick that goal. I love Tommy Mitchell as a player, and I think we're chatting to him coming up. He's not beaten us in a leg for in a leg race, let alone beaten five Essendon midfielders. He's so good at in and around, but his work rate, his mindset was, I'm going to get there. I'm going. This is my role. This is what I have to do. On the flip side, the Essendon players, it's a long season. It's not going. I'm just going to run. Those blokes would outrun Tommy Mitchell any day of the week. Well, but no, the will of Tommy Mitchell got him there. The will of Essendon I'll say was then, not there. On that is, you, yes, you'll have to coach better. You'll have to schedule the fitness regime better get blokes in who were mentally harder. This is what I'm saying. This is where his message after the game was, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful but excited if I'm a Eston player. Because Scotty last night was, when we come back at preseason, I'm setting targets. And this is what we're, this is the standards we need to get to. Our standards at the moment are not there. If you can't play out 23 rounds of football, then we shouldn't deserve to play finals as they're not. So he clearly said in his press conference last night, boys, saddle up. We're having a red-hot crack. This is going to be a huge off-season a huge pre-season, and hopefully next week we might get to round 20 before fatigue. We might get into the finals before fatiguing. That's the mindset that he said last night, which if I'm an Essendon supporter, I'm sitting there going, perfect. This is where we need to go to be a successful team and play and have a win in the final, which we haven't had for however many thousand days. (laughs) Trust you, you know that. 3,000. And he's got all the ammunition that he needs because their last two weeks was defined by weak and uncommitted efforts. And if you wanted to clip them up, from the two games, you could find so many of them. And for, I reckon for a coach, that's pretty rich source material to go at them with. Their last five quarters, I think it was 35 goals to two. Or 35 goals to five. So that was their last five goals, five quarters of football. And against GWS, who are on the fringe of playing eight, and against the Collingwood team, who, yes, they've played some really good football, but they haven't shot the lights out the last month. Even the Collingwood players said our form hasn't been great. So this is a, a part that they need to continue to build. Right, so what, what does the off-season hold for Essendon? What are the flashpoints, Tom? Well, Darcy Parrish is the main one. He's their player that they'd love to re-sign. He would love to re-sign, but yet it hasn't been done yet. And there's this standoff between his management and the club, and it revolves around three things. A, the money. Um, B, the natural uptick in the CBA, which the club doesn't automatically give players, and some clubs do and some clubs don't. And the other is the tenure of the deal. So Darcy Parrish's team wants five, wants six years, 
Um, Essendon want to give five years. And at the moment, there's no give on either side. So until there is, this deal won't be getting done. And then other clubs, he's 26. And he's finished second in the best and fairest once. He was all Australian. And he's had an injury troubled year this year. So he's the main one. The others are... His management's got delusions of grandeur. You think he's not worth six years? Absolutely not. What's the tangible difference between five years and six years if you want to stay at the club that you were drafted That's to? That's right. It's, I reckon five years is a generous. Oh, deal. really? Yeah. I, he, he's a, so he's sure. a nice player. I'm not so sure five years is going to work into it, or six years. Is going, well, six years would because that'll be probably close to the the end. Five years leaves him with one or two years at the end, and he will be bargain basement price. When he's 31. Think, when he's 31. Whereas if he did a three-year deal now, I know people players love security, but if he did three years and had three very good years, he could get another three years. Mm. So it, it's kind of a weird... But they say it, this is his big contract. It's very normal now that at the age of 26, as mm. he is, you sign your big yeah, contract. But it's not for everyone. Like no. th- Those 10 years are for Oliver and Petrarca, who are in Brownlow medal contention. Well, they got seven. They are for dominant key forwards like Charlie Curnow and the theory of Harry Mackay, which it's not for it's not for run-of-the-mill good midfielders. So Zach Merritt got six. And, and he's the captain. He's the captain. The big difference between the captain and the other guy. In Harry the Himmelberg, key position player, got six at GWS. Dif- different market. Jack Steele got five at St Kilda. Captain, yeah. So th- that's probably the, the there's level, a isn't status it? that Parish doesn't measure up to. Mm. How, so, many, how many years would you have said that he has played as an elite midfielder in the AFL? Probably three. well, three, three's a stretch. I can, I can if, one and a half. Yeah, yeah there's the one year where he he polled really well, and it's like, oh, hang on, he's got some touch, but he's not a bloke that you build your club around. He's a polished player on the top, and that's where, as far as giving a, a five, I think five's very generous. Six, if I was this, I wouldn't be signing on a six-year deal. Because he hasn't played consistent, dominant football enough to, as you said, to put into the Petrarca, to put into the Oliver status. He's still building. And his next three years might be his best three years. But take take your five years at the club who are offering you some good coin. Hopefully, you're going to be a leader there to build. And then they can use other money around to bring people in to help you succeed and play in September. This you is where elite. I think the market is no, very good. But there's a lot of very good midfielders. I mean, if you listed up the midfield, the true midfielders in the AFL, where would he... Where would he rank? He's not in the best eighteen, like one from each club. No, he's not in. He's not in the top. Is he in the top three of their club? Uh, you've, you've got, got merit. Is Shield if he's up and firing? I he's been injured. Darcy Parish is more reliable than Shield now. Yeah, yeah, Shield, yeah I'm saying if he's up and firing. Winner. I just think managers are. You can sign the wrong contract for your player and you can put them in the wrong circumstance. And I truly believe they're putting Darcy Parish in the wrong circumstance here. So if he goes. He'll be worth band one compensation, and that will give Essendon two picks in the first round for the first time since 2020. Would Would you think I'd be on my knees praying that he left? <laughs> would, would you think? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a visual. <laughs> um, would you think that some other team would offer him a six-year, wow. seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars contract? Uh, I don't know that for a fact. I don't know, but the mark. I'll, I'll be I'll, unless unless he wants to go back down the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. After what he's been through at Essendon, think Scotty's. We, we've showed a bit early in the season, as we just spoke about. We've got a lot of upside. We've got a lot of salary cap room there's to no bring people in. There. They could slide backwards next year. I know, but there's if you're if he's looking as a player to see what they've grown, to see the, how they spoke about Scotty coming in, what they did the first seventeen rounds. You're sitting there going, I can see a future at this football club. The only team that's going to offer him a six-year, $750,000 deal is a team that's down the bottom and struggling to get back up. Like a West Coast type. 
Exactly right. And yeah. does he want to go over there and play five years over there and be, well, where are we? Where, what are we doing? And it's not like Essendon don't have money. You speak to other clubs and managers. They're the, I hate using this term, but they have a war chest. They have a lot of money to spend, and they're just choosing not to spend it on Darcy Parish. They'd prefer to spend it on getting Ben Mackay into the club or keeping Brandon Zerk Thatcher, which I don't think is going to happen. So they have other areas, and Darcy Parish isn't their priority. Here we go. If I've played at a football club, and you said the team that he got drafted to, Dermy said, stay there and sign on there. If I've had no final success in it, how many years has he played now? Uh, well, he's eight. He's, eight. A, he's a free agent. He's had no success in eight years. Mm. No success in eight years. I'd be giving up a little bit of money to have other people in and around me to help grow and actually play finals, have success, and try and grow to maybe play in a premiership before he's finished in his five or six years. But if he's going to go and take every cent that he needs, they're not going to get the people around him to help him have success. And it was particularly jarring last night, Jared, because it was his 150th game. So he was... Up in lights, he was on the banner, he was on their social media accounts. Congratulations, Darcy Parish, 150. But with a little asterisk, is he staying or is he going? And at the moment, there's no movement on either side. What, what was the wash-up for Collingwood out of the night? Well, Collingwood, uh, well, first of all, Elliot will be okay. That's just a corky to his glute, as we mentioned earlier. Um, Collingwood are looking ahead to uh, their Thursday, likely Thursday night final um, in qualifying final week. So that will be at the MCG. The expectation is uh, at AFL House and also the Magpies that will be played on Thursday night, which will then allow them, if they lost, to play against the winner of 5v8 with a longer break than next week. And that is a slight shift from last year, but there's reasons why that is the case. The other thing for Collingwood is they're waiting on Darcy Moore, who trained yesterday. He trained really well, um, and he'll be fit for week one of finals. And the AFL program has a four-day break now. They'll come back, they'll train all through the week and through next weekend. And Nick Dacos won't play week one of finals, but if they did lose, they do expect him to be available for week two of finals and certainly a prelim final. So that's good news for them. So if it is Melbourne and Collingwood, mm. which there's a few assumptions in there, it'll be Thursday night rather than Friday that, night. That's it, yeah. yeah. And which then is a little bit surprising, I think. So did I explain it well enough? I'm not sure. The, yeah, the, yeah, you did. Yeah. But I'm surprised that they're sort of wedded to that, given that everyone's having the week off on the way through, and it's the difference between seven and eight days, rather than... So I suspect your Friday night crowd is a whisker bigger than your Thursday night crowd, yep. and that if it were Melbourne and Collingwood, you're talking mid-90s. Like, yep. I think you're talking 95, 96,000 on a Friday night. And look, there's implications if any player gets concussed this Sunday. Well, that's that's if, if Petrarca and Oliver run into each other and they both get knocked out, it's under the 12 days to play that Thursday. Hmm. So... Do they have the flexibility to move it to the Friday or I don't not? Know the answer to that. Well, they well they could, but then they'd be sacrificing if Collingwood lost a seven day break v an eight day day break against Carlton if they win that. I think that's that's not final. as big a deal considering they've just come off a bye. A mm. seven day break compared to an eight day break isn't a big issue, I don't mm. think, especially after they've they've had a weekend off. Yeah. If it's at the end of the season or you didn't have that bye, yep, fair enough, that that might be into consideration. But the big thing is, I think the AFL will be hoping that no one from Melbourne, no big name from Melbourne gets concussed because then that's going to be an uproar if they've locked in the Collingwood-Melbourne game on a Thursday night and an Oliver or a Petrarca or a Maxi Gorn can't play. Yeah, where it felt more naturally suited on a Friday night. So in the list of what you needed to see out of Collingwood last night, did you get it? Yes. Oh, the spark was back. And I know you, you, as a Collingwood player, you can only play against the people in front of you and the people in front of you were witches' hats. Uh, and what, But what I did see was... Degoe bursting from the stoppage and think, oh, hang on, that's that's exciting. That's what we saw in the first 18 rounds of the season. Ginevan come back and he, he had a spark about him. He was good around goals. That's He's, the best game I've seen him play. Yeah, he 
He didn't worry about the. Yes, he got in the face of a couple of players, but he didn't worry about. Last week, I thought he was ninety percent trying to aggravate, ten percent to play football. This week, he was about playing football, and if you got the chance, he would he would get in the face of his opponent. But as a small forward, you naturally think they just want to kick goals. He seems to be having that team first mindset, and I think that's pushed in from how the rest of the players are. But when he comes in, his first game back three weeks ago. He gave two Joe Gooses where he could have kicked goals. I'm thinking that might be the mm. the Collingwood culture that's brought in, and he's brought into it. Um, Bobby Hill back in the like this little bit of spark which they haven't had for the last month. They've looked a bit leg dead, a bit fatigued. Um, obviously played some good opponents, but what I did see from last night, a Collingwood supporter have a lot more hope than what they did for the previous month. In saying that, Melbourne aren't going to let them. If they play Melbourne in, in two weeks' time, they're not going to let them play free flowing football like that. But it will give them a little bit of confidence that that bit of arrogance or a bit of confidence that Collingwood did play with is back. One of the things that Collingwood will have in their armoury against Melbourne is they have forwards who are capable of matching and halving the contest at least against the two intercept markers in the back line. And if you look at last week's game where Melbourne dourly fought against a, a resurgent Hawthorne, the intercept marking in the back line was quite pivotal in the end in the overall scheme of things. That won't be a luxury they have against Collingwood. If you're taking on Myacek, if you're taking on Darcy Cameron, if you're taking on the rest in Ruckman, um, Mason Cox, it, it will be a different situation to pure intercept marking. And that's where the, the burst from the stoppage with the Dugowie and, and Tommy Mitchell was really good last night as well. But Melbourne's set up to intercept the ball. They set up assertive. They want to intercept mark the ball. If you've got blokes like Dugowie bursting from the front of the stoppage, all of a sudden as a defender... You just want the play in front of you. You have to backtrack. You have to reposition yourself. That's the worst thing you can have as a defender, especially in assertive defence like Melbourne. You don't want anyone coming straight out the front of the stoppage. And if Collingwood can do that, they'll really pressure pressure Melbourne. But Which makes Elliot so important because he breaks up that type of yep. defence because he does get on the lead and he draws the footy. Do you think they're locked to Cameron and Cox as a combination? I... I, I what I saw from Cox in the third quarter last week and some bits last night, that breaks open there. Like that tap that he did over top to Dugowie who missed on his left. He's sitting there going, oh, that was a little bit exciting. I reckon the midfield coach there will be going, oh, hang on, if we need more of that. What Cox did last week, if if Cox has got that, I spoke about arrogance, but it's it's confidence, it's ego, it's it's I'm better than you. And that's what you need. It's not, it's not a bad thing um, to a certain extent in football, but he had the – Arrogance or the competitive side against Oscar McInerney last week. And that's thought, I'm going to jump over the top here. I'm going to tap it off on Penelbury. Made Penelbury look really good in the middle because of his effective hits. If he can promise and commit and dedicate himself to being that kind of ruckman for the next four weeks, you have to go with Cox. And then the best sign of the night was to go out the front of the stoppage, wasn't oh, he? Oh, was so powerful, wasn't he? But, I mean, even Chris, we laughed at one moment when Crispy put up the big don't argue, and he took on three <laughs> players. But Dugowie's power coming out yeah. of the front of the stoppage, his, his temperance of his, his tempering the ball by foot wasn't great, but eh, one game back and he'll, he'll feel that. So he's got to get better touch when he's exploding and then learn to, as I say, temper the kick. A couple of times he skied it over the leading forward's head, but it's exciting when he comes out of the front of the I, stoppage. I, I don't think... From a stoppage these days, it's not as as important to, to pierce and, and set up with a nice lace out kick as what it used to be. Helps. It, it does help. <laughs> it does help if you're a taller forward. But their their forward line when they've got my check, Mick Stay, Bobby Hill, Elliot, 
Hoskin Alley, if you go, they're a, they're a small agile forward line. So sometimes if you're bursting from the stoppage and it is a bit of a mongrel punt and it just goes end over end, that can work to the favour of a forward because, as we said before, Melbourne is set up for that intercept mark. Sometimes when it comes off his shin when he's bursting from a stoppage, it, it works into the forward's advantage. I'd like you to tell that to Jamie Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look, he's... He's probably the ones who benefit from it the most because he's quick, he's agile, and he's always the first one to react to a ball that doesn't kick perfectly. Tom Mitchell's about to join us. So his first year as a Magpie is going to see him play finals for the first time since 2018. You're listening to Crunch Time for Azito. Azito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings.